Hi, everybody. This is David Reese of Satan Sinners, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 321 of Focus on Metal. Great show in store for you this week as we feature two great vocalists, David Reese and Jack Russell. And by coincidence, we even broke up the interview duties, and uh, I'm talking with David Reese, and Richie will be talking with Jack Russell. But before we get into the show proper this week, I've got something important to discuss with you. I'm talking about a little something from our friends over at earpeeler.com. They have decided to set up a Patreon program that you guys should know about. You can find that at www.patreon.com slash earpeeler, all one word. And, uh, you know, there's no better way to run down exactly what the whole idea behind their campaign is than to just read it to you. So our Ear Peeler was set up as a supplement to all the other great news sites that cover mostly hard rock and metal and bring you news on a frequent basis. Although we do veer off into other directions on a daily basis, the main focus is rock-based music. Since podcasts have been growing at a tremendous rate, it is almost impossible for the classic sites to keep up with every show out there. Well, that's where Ear Peeler comes in, helping bring attention to all of those hardworking podcasters, bloggers, and radio shows that are out there interviewing your favorite artists. So uh, it's a one-stop shopping site to allow you to catch up on your favorite bands, shows, or anything else you might want to check out while on the site. So we've decided to use Patreon to try and take the site to the next level. Tons of things we'd like to implement, but currently can't do so for economic reasons. Some of the immediate goals are to switch the site to a dedicated server and have our developers perform a complete behind-the-scenes reworking of the site. So the money currently generated from the site via our merch store, Amazon links, and the ads we currently display are not enough to expand our operations further. The idea is to leverage Patreon in a twofold way, seeing if there's enough demand out there to implement what we have envisioned for the site and also seeing if we can finance the site further. So, uh, yes, uh, we do have a merch store, but we will be offering members-only merch via Patreon as a reward to those that help out during this campaign. The idea is to make this last and similar to uh, band fan clubs, rewards on a yearly basis. If you pick up a t-shirt now, it will be part of a limited run for that calendar year. So a whole bunch of different goal settings here, and uh, they're really trying to do something to get... Uh, up to $150 a month that will upgrade the current server characteristics and uh, the idea is to upgrade uh, get some better server speed uptime the whole darn thing so there's uh, the dollar level you get a thank you $3 they'll do a follow you on social media be part of the street team there's a week in review video cast that's at the $5 level you've got executive producer stuff at $5 level there's some ads so if you're a podcast out there you want to get a little bit displayed more prominently on ear peeler there's a number of different ad things in there or hey, if you want to promote your festival, your gear, your band, whatever, you know, hey, that's a good deal, right? You got a great band out there. You want to do that. You want to get a lot of eyes on it. $10 level, you can get an opener ad that's a 300 by 250 in size ad that uh, gets rotated on the site. Good stuff. You got some Q&A stuff you can do, some other uh, all kinds of hoodies and T-shirts. And you can even go up to uh, the box, which is almost all the rewards at the $130 level. There's a festival headliner ad like I was talking about. So all kinds of good stuff that Victor and the folks over at Ear Peeler have cooking for you. So again, if you want to uh, 
help to uh, create a, a better ear peeler and support what they're doing over there, then head up to patreon.com slash ear peeler. I think it's a well and worthy cause and I want everyone to know about that. So again, as I said, patreon.com slash ear peeler. And you know, while you're up there at patreon.com, if you're looking for a great band of support, then uh, go over and check out Lords of the Trident. So having said all that, what do you say we do a track of the week? So I know we haven't had a track of the week in a few weeks now, as we've been having some of those special episodes, but uh, it's back once again this week and uh, got some stuff I can't wait to play you. So the album we're talking about this week was actually released back in November, and I don't know, but for whatever reason, it had just gone completely below my radar. We've even had this band on the show before. One of my favorite bands out of Europe, like one of my million different favorite bands out of Europe, but uh, this is a band I really like a lot, and I'm surprised that it just went under my radar, but the label actually sent me a physical copy of it, and uh, not even thinking about what was going on or anything, not having any kind of insight as to what was going on with the band, popped this thing in the CD player of the car a few weeks ago, and uh, damn, what an incredibly nice metal surprise. So the album I'm talking about comes to us via AFM Records. The album is called Dead Sun. And the band, of course, is Nightmare. So Nightmare has gone through some lineup changes, in uh, particular with the drums and vocals. And uh, that's what immediately stood out to me when I popped this thing in. And I was like, wait a minute. There is now a female voice fronting Nightmare. And I got to say that Maggie has done a great job on this album. And ever since I heard it, I just couldn't wait to bring you guys a track of this for Track of the Week. So this week, coming to you courtesy of all of our friends over at AFM Records, the album is called Dead Sun, the band is called Nightmare, and the track for Track of the Week is Serpentine.
There you go. Track of the Weekend, as I uh, mentioned, Dead Sun. It's definitely well worth picking up, as well as almost everything in the Nightmare catalog. And you really should head up to AFM site anyway. Some great releases coming out from those guys uh, in the next few months. I am am anxiously waiting the new Bloodbound for one, and I just got the new Crystal Viper in. So, again, from uh, AFM Records, the band is Nightmare, and the album dead sun so up first in our cavalcade of vocalists this evening is jack russell hey this is jack russell jack russell's great white and you listen to focus on metal <laughs> i figured i played david reese at the beginning and uh why not then make it fair and put the first interview as uh, jack russell and of course jack russell is known most prominently as the singer for great white during their 80s heyday with all the hits that everybody loves and knows in case you're curious, my personal favorite Great White song is Face the Day. And eh, for what it's worth, my girlfriend's favorite one is Save Your Love. Anyway, uh, now that uh, all the dust is settled with the whole Great White camp, we won't even get into that now. Jack Russell has come out with Jack Russell's Great White, and they have a brand new release out entitled He Saw It Coming. So on uh, February 16th, we had a chance to sit down and chat with Jack all about his great new release. And uh, I decided I would hand the reins over on this one to, uh, to Richie. And I think it worked out really well. They got a nice flow going. It was really cool just sitting back, listening to it. I think great dynamic. And uh, honestly, I think if I chimed in on the interview, it really kind of would have destroyed the nice flow Richie and Jack had going. So um, I think that you're really going to like this whole conversation that uh, that Richie has with Jack. thought a nice lead-in to do this is, of course, that, uh, that Jack and the band are promoting their latest single off of the release. It's called Sign of the Times. So why don't we spin a little bit of that and then go right into the interview that Richie did with Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. So
you doing? Nice to talk to you. Yeah, nice to talk to you too, man. Yeah, so are you a West Coast guy? You on the West Coast? Yeah, we're going to get peed on tonight, man. That's not tonight, but tomorrow for the whole week, and they're expecting four inches of rain. Oh, God. Come up here, it's about 20 degrees. <laughs> you know what? I think I'll stay with the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. It's... I'd rather be wet than 20 degrees, man. Yeah, so... I didn't know there was a 20 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the... You're still big into the fishing, Jack, are you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I live on a boat. Yeah, so would you go out, would the rain wouldn't bother you now? Would you go out all night in the rain? Um, yeah, you know, I've been out in the rain before. Um, it's just, it's no fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're waiting for the fish to bite, and it's like, you know, we're fishing sharks all the time, you know? Yeah. And um, you get a bite, you're out there with your rain gear on, your slickers, you know, and it's just, you're getting soaked and freezing, and... You get one to the boat, and you're like, oh, man, you shoot up, and you got water all over you, have a time up, you got you to gotta cut them all up and get them prepped for the market. Yeah. And, you know, you just get soaked. Yeah. So it's not worth it, you know. Usually, along with the rain comes really big swells and chop, and it's just not fun. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture of a years ago in Kerrang, and... Um, and you're on you're on this big white boat. Is that the same boat? Or is no, it I got a bigger one. Oh, you got a bigger one. <laughs> yeah, I got a big. It's white, but I got a bigger one. Yeah, that one was thirty six feet. This is forty five. Oh, nice! And it's amazing how how much more stuff there is in a forty five footer. And I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And we got you know we had a shower. We had. A freshwater toilet. You got a huge, you know, stateroom with the, you know, Tempur-Pedic mattress in it. And, you know, it, it's just really cool. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Big, big, big tank, you know. Yeah. It's, it's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We get into it? Yeah. All right. Um, so, Jack, the album's been out now for a couple of weeks. Um, were you more nervous with this one than you would have been for a while with an album coming out because of everything that happened? Yeah, you know, I wasn't really nervous. I was anxious. You know, of course, you know, I was a, a little apprehensive because the record was so different than anything, you know, I put out before. But, you know, I, I knew people would like it because, I mean, it's a record for everybody. You know, there's something on there for everyone. And we didn't feel like we had to rehash an old Great White record, you know. I mean, I've done all that stuff. I've done, you know, that band, and I pushed it, you know, as far as it could go, I think. You know, I mean, at least for me, and that's just, you know, how I feel. I mean, obviously, you know, they have their fans, and I'm not saying they're wrong, you know? Um, you know, I'm just, but I'm, I'm just concentrating on what I'm doing right now, and, you know, I, I think the record just is really, really good. And, of course, everybody says about their new album, you know, Oh, it's as cool as the other side of the pillow, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I happen I happen to like this one more than I've liked any other record. The only one I've liked as close as Kanka down here. Okay. Doing, yeah, we had another producer and we had a guy that engineered it and it didn't sound like every other great white record. So, you know, that was my favorite album I did for that band. Yeah, so tell me about the writing sessions in the beginning for this. Like, did you go in with a set direction, kind of, because you're writing with guys that you'd never really written with before. Um, you, you know, t the first couple, of, like the first couple of songs you wrote, did any of them actually make the record? Like, was it tough in the beginning at all? You know, no, not really. And you know, there was only one song that didn't make the record, and that was um, 
was Hard Habit. And the only reason being is we just put that out for a teaser song to let people know that, yeah, we're here, we're recording, and we plan on doing a record soon, so just hold your pants on. You know, and it didn't really fit with the rest of the tunes. So everything else we worked on, we ended up using. I remember the first song Robbie and I wrote together, On My Boat, I remember him sitting there cross-legged, and I was sitting cross-legged on the floor, you know, with a piece of paper, and, you know, I go, I'm just wondering, could this guy write a song, or, you know, or what? I had no idea. Yeah. You know, I just got to hope he can write, you know, because it's, I mean, I write a lot of the music, you know, and, and you know, but I write kind of like, you know, he's got to take that and make a chord out of it, you know, and, and embellish on it. But um, anyway, back to where we were, um, you know, the first song I wrote was, um, was uh, Don't Let Me Go. And he came up this, you know, well, and I was like, every time I'm it, well, I can't think of the words right now. <laughs> um, oh, God. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> By the record, you can figure out what I said on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> My world comes together when I look in your eyes. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So um, we wrote that, and I was like, okay, this guy knows what, what, what he knows. He knows how to write a song. And we worked together, and, and you know, and he started throwing lyrics at me. And initially, I was like, yeah, I'll do the lyrics on here, Buster, you know? <laughs> and after a while, I realized that, hey, this guy can really write, you know, lyrics as well as music. And, you know, he was a little apprehensive when I was showing him, you know, uh, musical stuff. You know, I said, like, I don't like that. I go, well, you know what? You're going to learn it anyway because I like it and I want you to play it. <laughs> so, you know, he would turn around and learn it and he'd be like, hey, that's actually really good. And I said, well, you know, I told you. So, and, and he did the same thing with the lyrics. So this was really really, 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 uh, you know, um, collaboration. And I've never had that before, a true collaboration. It was always, you know, um, I would do the lyrics and then, you know, Mark or Michael would, you know, come up with the, um, the guitar parts, unless I came up with something, you know, but it, it was different. You know, it was just different. It wasn't so cohesive and, and just easy. This just feels easy, you know? Yeah, and the songs. No, we had no, we had no, um, you know, uh, preconceived idea of how they were going to be. We didn't have a theme. We didn't, you know, we didn't say, okay, we're going to write this kind of song. We just wrote, you know, and the songs that we liked, we kept, and the songs we didn't like, which it was only a few, we talked to the side. I mean, you pretty much know right away if the songs worth working on, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, and you just go, uh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you get rid of it. <laughs> so hopefully you don't have any of those on the record, but I mean, everybody's got a different opinion, so we'll see.
Yeah, did, 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 did the songs come quickly or like was there any point in it where you know you had to step away for a while and then take a break and come back to it? You know, some of them, some of them did, but for the most part, and I found this really interesting, was that a lot of them were just one fluid thought. You know, I'd start, you know, with some music and then I would just write the lyrics and it would be one continuous thought. And I was like, wow. You know, like my addiction, I just picked up, you know, picked up paper and I listened to the song and just started writing the lyrics and before I knew it, it was done. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that in this record and, you know, there was some of it were, you know, like um, Sign of the Times. I mean, that song, you know, took forever for us to come up, you know, with a chorus. And then we went with the chorus and we figured out what the lyrics are going to be, but... You know, I, I remember I was sitting in an airport and I looked around and everybody had a gadget, you know. Everybody yeah. was on texting or I looked right across from me and there was a couple, they were obviously together and they were texting each other. <laughs> I was thinking, man, what happened? I was the only guy there, you know, that didn't have a little electric, you know, thing in his hand. And I'm like, wow, man, the art of conversations has been lost. And what a sign of times that is. Yeah. And then I thought, wow, that'd be great for that part. And then, you know, me and Robbie got together and penned out the lyrics, and, you know, it was great. Yeah, was I there, love working with him. Yeah, was there anything in the lyrics, Jack, that you really wanted to address on this album? Like, obviously, I, like the, one, the song that sticks out to me is My Addiction. Obviously, that's one thing you really wanted to address on it. Sure, sure. But if you listen to that song, it never says drugs in there. Yeah. It never talks about drugs. I mean, it gives... It gives uh, inferences like, um, you know, creeping, crawling around my bedroom floor. You know, that's for the uh, coke smokers out there that, you know, they can't, oh, look, this is a rock. Maybe try smoking that and just be so acoustic ceiling, you know. <laughs> um, desperados. And the rest of it was like, I mean, everything, I mean, everybody's addicted to something, you know whether it be sex, whether it be working out, uh, eating, not eating. Um, you know, you think of a million things that you can be addicted to, and it's all the same. It all wants to kill you. Yeah. You know, and, you know it almost succeeded in my life, you know, so I've had a lot of experience with that, and this song was definitely uh, very autobiographical, you know, and it was meant as, you know, kind of a, war a warning to people. It's like, you know, if you got a problem, man, let somebody know or do something about it. Don't let it ruin your life or kill you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. So, but what I think is that you're asking what I think is the, the most, um, the, what did you say, most autobiographical songs? Yeah. Um, it would have to be the title track. Okay. Because, now, if you, you listen to the beginning of it, okay, let me give a little insight on it. There's two young kids, and they're sitting in one of their rooms, and they're waiting for the big brother to leave so they can go in his room and play his drums and his guitar. 
Now, you hear the brother leave, and one kid goes, he's gone. And you hear him running down the hallway. And they open the door to the big brother's room, and all of a sudden they're standing on stage with thousands of people in front of them. And they freak out, and they close the door, and they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And one kid goes, should we go back in? And the other one goes, no. And he goes, come on, you went. All right, let's do it. So they went back in, and they closed the door behind them. And then the song starts, and it starts where I came back into on stage after all the, the stuff I've been through, you know. Um, so you say my time is over. You look at me and shake your head. You say I've had my day in. You can't believe that I'm not dead. It goes on and on. And what the song is about was when I was five years old, I wanted to be an archaeologist. And when I was six, for my sixth birthday, my parents bought me the Beatles album. So I put it on my little metal record player, and when I heard it, it was like I just was given this information that that's what I was going to do for a living. I was going to be successful at it. Mm -hmm. So I just, from then on, I just started, you know, doing that. And I remember one night I was sitting there and I opened up my curtain, and I looked across, and there was a fabulous forum, you know, in Los Angeles, the biggest, biggest gig here. And I was like, oh, my God, I pulled it off, you know? Yeah. So that's what the song's about. And the odd thing is, the intro that he has, the tape, he did that 10 years ago before he renewed me. So that's pretty strange. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it just, so it's supposed, the cover's supposed to be to pick Robbie and I when we were kids. Yeah. And then as we grew up, we said, you know, that's what's supposed to be. So it's cool. I love that song because it's very autobiographical. Yeah, that song reminds me a lot of Queen. With the, even I with hear the, that a lot. Yeah. Actually, the, the working title was "Angry Queen." Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard you do a song like that before, Jack. Like layering your vocals and and then the piano and all that. Like I, that song to me sticks out as probably the biggest departure from what I've really heard you do in the past. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. You know, we we just kept writing. I was like, wow, let's, let's make a change here, and and it's just kind of it just kind of like I said, they write themselves. You know. Yeah. Um, you got part that that you say my time is over. You look at me and shake your head. It just came out, and, and we didn't know what the song was going to be about. You know. Yeah. We just started writing it, and then you know I'll do I'll start writing lyrics, or I'll start writing melody lines, and I'll just be going. Hey, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got that disease, oh, I got well. <laughs> and I'll take that and I'll figure out, you know, lyrics around that. And yeah. every once in a while, I'll, I'll sing a line and I'll go, wow, it's a great line. I'll use that maybe for the third line and the second verse. And so it's weird how songs work. Yeah. Now, your vocals on this, I think, are really, really strong. Um, was it tough to get your voice back to where you really wanted it to be? Um, you know what? Yeah, at first it was because, you know, I'd been in the hospital and surgeries and, you know, all my muscle, muscles had atrophied. I mean, at one point, I couldn't even walk. You know, I couldn't walk. And my, my, my wife had to take me to, to physical therapy, and I didn't even want to go sometimes. It was so painful. But after a while, I learned how to walk, and then my voice was getting stronger. And then after the first tour, you know, it was, uh, it was starting to get better. So 
I just kept on going and I kept doing my warm ups and all the things I'm supposed to do. And my voice started getting stronger and stronger. And now it feels just like it did when I was 25. Yeah. So, you know, uh, um, it's all there. So I'm really, really blessed, you know? Yeah. I, I got to admit, one of the first things I was kind of worried about when I put the record on was, oh, God, I hope he can still hit the notes. And <laughs> now I'm sure I'm not the only guy saying that to no, you. No, I'm sure. Yeah, like, and you still have it, so which is great. Now, the the lyrics on on the album, Jack. There's a lot of lyrics about love, friendship, redemption. The one thing I don't hear on it though is, and I kind of expected it was, um, you might be a little bit angry about what has happened in the last couple of years with you and the other guys, and I don't really hear that on this at all. You you must are you in a happy place now in your life? Or? Yeah, I really am. You know, I've left all that baggage behind me. You know, and I certainly didn't want to put on a record. I mean, originally I titled the album The Gauntlet. And that was a, it was like a challenge. Like, you know, a nice little old thing. said, throw it down the gauntlet and say, okay, you know. And yeah. I thought about it and I was like, well, what does that have to do with me or the space I'm in right now? It's just a jab at the other band because they put out Elation. You know what I mean, it's like there was no, there was no mixed, mixed, most, no mixed messages there, you know? Yeah. So I thought I was going to jab back, and I started to think about, well, you know, that's, that's not what music is about. That's not why I make music, you know? Yeah. And, I, yeah, it wasn't a happy place, you know, a really happy place. So, you know, the, the songs are, for the most part, you know, pretty happy. You know, I didn't feel like getting into the the deal with the band. That's been, you know, it's, it's so talked about, it's like ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And since I've come to accept the fact that, you know, that was my problem and not theirs, you know, I think they could have handled it better. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, it was my it was my uh, my own fault that did it. You know, I was just getting too messed up and, you know, they couldn't uh, handle it. You know, I mean, couldn't keep, keep canceling tours, you know, so. You know, it's okay because I, I'm I'm actually in a band that I, I uh, that I believe is you know I don't want to say that we're better, but you know it's 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 better for me. Let's just say that. Yeah. No. You know, I don't believe I wish I could have got sober in that band just because of all the you know all the years of stuff.
I've often wondered now, when I've, like I've spoken to a lot of guys in the last three or four years, and you know, they, they talk about the time in the 80s, and I, I've often thought, you know, that some of these guys, like, they get into the drink and the drugs, and part of me thinks, does the managers ever try and guide them a lot more, or are you, did they just see you guys as, like, commodities to make money back then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, our old manager, you know, for all the, the you know, good he did for us was, you know, he made you feel like you couldn't do anything without him. Like, you know, if you fire me, then, you know, your career's over kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, we bought into that. And after a while, I, you know, after a while of being sober, I was like, you know what? I ain't buying this anymore. You know, I'm not going to get yelled at, you know, you know, six years, six years after I've been, you know, been sober for six years. And I was like, you're going to yell at me for something I said in the interview. I was like, dude, I know how to do interviews. I don't need your help. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I just said, I talked to the band. I said, let's fire this fool. <laughs> you know? So everybody agreed and he did. Yeah. Do, do you, you think know? a lot and of, everybody fired him. Yeah. You know? Do you think a lot of it as well, Jack, is that, you know, people hold you up to this image and you feel that you have to like hold your own, hold yourself up to it by like, if people say, you know, you're sex, drugs and rock and roll, you kind of have to think, well, yeah, I kind of have to do all that. Well, not anymore. You know, it's like my audience is more affected by me saying, hey, I've been sober a year and a half today, yeah. you know, than if I said, all right, man, I got so wasted last night, you know. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, people. I get really bad mail if I'm if I'm out there doing my things. Like, what are you doing? You know, do you remember Jane Lee? You didn't do this to us, you know. You know. So when I'm sober, I, I just get nothing but kudos. You know. Yeah. So and that's not the reason I do it. I mean, I do it obviously because I'm tired of killing myself. And the last time I was in a five day coma. The doctor said, if I drink again, I will die. Not maybe, not could, not should, not, you know. It was like, you will die. Your liver can't take another one of these. And your wife has told me how you drink. And, you know, I'm never going to change the way I drink. You know, if I drink, I'll drink until I'm passed out. Yeah. And that one more time will shut my liver down. Yeah. And so... I'm not going to do that again. It's like playing Russian roulette with six bullets. You know, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. I may have done some stupid things, but when somebody makes it that black and white, it's kind of hard to argue with them. Yeah, no, I've had Glenn Hughes on the show a couple of times now, and like he he's he's a big-time believer now in a higher power. Are you the same oh, way yeah. now, or were you always like oh, that? No, anyway? I've always, you know, I've always believed in God. That's what I call it. You know, people have their own names for it or whatever, but I call I call it God. And I watched him look in my life so many times. And when I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing, you know, my life just falls to pieces. And as soon as I get back on the right trail, it's like everything comes back. Like immediately I see my life change. It's like, wow. You know, I, uh, I, I could tell you stories of things that have happened to me that would literally, you know, take all the hairs in your body and stand them on end. Yeah. But, you know, when the book comes out, you can read that, and uh, you know, I should just call it. You're never going to believe this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but buy the buy the book anyway. It's some interesting stories. Yeah, is it easy, Jack, for you to like? If someone wants to say, like, tell me the story of your life. Would it be easy for you to join all up all the dots, or would there be a lot of gaps there that you might need people to help you with? Um. Well, I, my whole life's a gap. 
It's going to be a blank. It'll be all blanks <laughs> with a word with with a foul word here and there. You know? <laughs> Very good. Born. Born at one thirty a.m. right before last call, and the next thing I know, <laughs> it was over. <laughs> yeah, the end. No, you know, you know, it's going to be. I remember so much, and I've been talking to a lot of my friends. They've been, oh yeah, I remember that man. You know, one of my best friends. You know, he's going to come over where to sit, and he's going to remind me of things. But as soon as somebody does, I remember it. Like, well, yeah, I hadn't thought about that in years. You know. Yeah. There's just so much to remember. So many things have happened. Yeah. I, I mean, I, things you wouldn't, things you would not believe. Like that could never happen to anyone, but except you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Kennedy used to call it the luck of the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do want to ask you one more question just before we go, Jack. No problem. Um, at the height of your fame around the late '80s, early '90s, um. Did you ever get a chance to soak it all in at all? Or was it just a complete blur that you were on the road in the studio, on the road in the studio? You know, sometimes I remember one night I was down on my first, not my first boat, it was my actually second boat. And it was, you saw the least of the picture you saw, the last one. And I had my gold record on the dash and I had my platinum album on the other side of the dash. And I was sitting out in the back deck in a chair and I was sipping on a beer and Cinderella's long cold when it was playing in the stereo. And I sat there and I looked at those albums and I said, I go, man, you always said you'd have a boat, you know, and you always said you would, you know, I, 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 you know, I pictured this and I'm looking at my flat and my gold records. I'm like, you know what, dude, you pulled it off. You pulled it off. Yeah. And then there was a moment, like I said, the forum, you know, and the next day we went to Soundcheck. And that was where I saw my first concert, Blue Oyster Cult, Bebop, Deluxe, and Angel. And I was like, I don't know, 15 years old. And I remember sitting out in that 22nd row load sheet, and I was with my friends, and I go, I'm going to be on that stage one of these days. And I go, oh, yeah, right. And I go, no, I'm going to be. And, and I went to Soundcheck, and I went up, and I sat as close as I could to where I remember what that seat was, you know? Yeah. I looked back at the stage and I'm like, damn, you've gone a long way. About 250 feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long 250 feet, though. You have to yeah, get through. it was, man, it was. <laughs> yeah. Then I went backstage and it was just amazing. We got our, got our platinum album that night. Bobby Blotzer came on stage and handed it to me. I was like, wow. Fantastic. Um, really really neat I mean I've had some just experiences in my life that I just I've been so blessed yeah you, know? now, the, you did an album um, I believe Jack for Portrait um, would you have any dealings with John Collodner doing that oh yeah I mean I, I dealt with John the whole time he didn't want to deal with managers or anybody so he just wanted to deal with me yeah so consequently I had lunch at the Ivy like a million times I could tell you <laughs> I could tell you the menu <laughs> But yeah, he's a great guy. He told me, he said, you know, he goes, um, he goes, I love the band, but I don't know if you guys have another album with you. He goes, I, I love your voice and I, I, I believe in it, so I'm going to give you a shot. And I went, yes. So, you know, and I really think that we came through on that record. They wanted to do another album, and I told him no. Okay. I mean, who turns down a deal on Sony? I mean, I told the band, I go, he just doesn't want, he doesn't want to sign us. Because I couldn't tell him that I turned down a deal with Sony. You know, but 
I just I wanted to do my solo thing, you know, so I came out with For You. And, you know, it was a great record, but the label just ran out of money because when we first started, I, I beat out Celine Dion at the, at the, uh, you know, on ads the first week. Wow. So I, th- I think it would have done well. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, what are you going to say? Yeah. Do you want to give out any of uh, the website or how, how can people find you on the web? Yeah, you can get us at jackrusselsgreatwhite.com or jackrusselsgreatwhite on Facebook. And that's it. You can check out our home, you know, our own pages, but they're pretty full. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I got like 10 friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got a lot more than that. I think I'm full up. Okay. You know? Anyway, so yeah, it, it's been great talking to you. Man. So yep. appreciate it. Anything we can ever do for you? You got my number. Uh, I, I assume you do. Yes, I do. All right, cool. We'll save it, and uh, you know, let me know if I ever do anything for you. Yep. All right, Jack. Thanks for spending right, a few minutes with me. All right. Take All care. Right. Okay. Take, take care, Richie. All right. right. Bye. Bye. All right. There you go. Richie's interview with Jack Russell of. Jack Russell's Great White. And again, great job, I think, by Richie on that one. And of course, if you're digging some of those song samples, I would urge you to go out and get their new release, He Saw It Coming. And up next on our cavalcade of vocalists is David Reese. Of course, a lot of you metalheads know him from his tenure in Except, but of course, he's also sung with Bonfire and Bangalore Choir. And now David is lending his considerable vocal talent to Sainted Sinners. So these guys just put out their debut release, of course, called Sainted Sinners. And I was extremely surprised when I popped this one on. Talked to David about it in the interview, so I won't go too in-depth into it. But uh, definitely conjures up all of that old school purple stuff going on and White Snake and just wow, just a great album. Brought back a lot of memories, got that good old school vibe. But instead of me yakking on about Sainted Sinners, why don't I let the music and my special guest, David Reese, do the talking? Sometimes we rip out 
is this Scott? It is. How are we doing, David? Hey, brother. How are you? All right. Good to talk to you, man. You too. And uh, obviously, yeah, uh, we're talking about the great Sainted Sinners album. It's uh, it's due out any day now on uh, February 24th, and uh, great stuff. Of course, talking to the one and only David Reese. How are we doing, man? Thank you. What a great uh, intro. I'm fine, and uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you very much, Scott. Let her rip. Let's do it. Awesome. Is it true that you're out living in Italy now? Is that the case? That is correct, though. Wow. Uh, I live in a city called Piacenza, about an hour and a half south of Milan. Uh, I'm married to a wonderful Italian woman. Uh, we were married last September. Mm. Um, we've known each other for, I don't know, two or three years, but life is good. Wow. Um, I'm actually in Italian language school right now. I, I believe in assimilation. You know, if you move somewhere, you better become part of it. So I'm, I'm up to my neck trying to learn the language. And <laughs> wow. I'm enjoying it. Wow, that's that's. Yeah, a- I want to be able to argue with my wife in Italian. You know, they oh, all argue with their hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a far cry from Oklahoma. Oklahoma to, to Italy. Wow, that's uh, quite a change. Yeah, I was born in Oklahoma, but I, I, I've lived everywhere, I guess. And then uh, my last U.S. base was Montana uh, before I jumped back ship and got over here again. Wow. Well, well of course, you know, it is convenient because you are playing with a whole bunch of European guys in the band. So I guess that makes it a heck of a lot easier. Yep. About a four-hour drive to uh, the south part of Germany where we do a lot of work. So it's not too bad. Awesome. So let's let's talk a little bit about about Sainted Sinners and and how this all came to be because uh, you know obviously I you know I throw this on and I'm and it just kind of blew me away with the, the whole sound of it and the vibe and and it just has oh, wow. this really just classic kind of '70s vibe and of course I'm an old dude so you know I I got tucked right into this thing and uh, I just thought just an amazing album to be coming out at this time so like give us a little bit of background about the band. Okay, um, we'll get a little bit of history. Everybody's probably aware that I was in Bonfire for a while. I did, um, well, I first started out with a group called Easy Living. Uh, I was in Montana just kind of doing project albums for a few years, Tango Down, a few others, and Hans Ziller contacted me uh, on the internet and asked me if I would be interested in singing on this record with him, Easy Living. I said, yeah, send me some tracks. So we made a deal, you know, and then, I never really thought anything would come of it. It's like touring is such a disaster right now. But about a week after I turned over the record, he asked me if I would tour. And I said, stop. If you're serious, yes. If not, don't say you might want to or we could. But he, excuse me, offered me like 15 shows. I jumped a plane. We toured. We did three tours with that band in 2014. And then at the end of the year, or somewhere in there, I think Klaus Lessman was leaving Bonfire. And he asked me, well, we've been on the road together now doing this other thing, and would you replace Klaus? And I said, yeah. And uh, so then we went into the Bonfire mode. So we did an album. We wrote an album called Glorious. And uh, at the time, we were looking, we, we took basically Ronnie Parks from uh, Easy Living and Harry Reichman from Bonfire stayed on drums. So uh, we needed another guitarist, and I had a few guys in mind. I was thinking about Andy Susamir and, 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 and uh, Mario Percadani and some other guys, uh, but Hans already picked Frank Pane, mm. who I had no clue who he was. But show up at rehearsals. Uh, I heard his guitar playing, obviously, on Glorious, the new album. Great guitar player. See him in person. Go, wow. Great guitar player, great guy. You know, went on the road with Bonfire. We did another, we did a, a double remake album 
uh, last year, toured, I don't know how many shows we did, over 150, I guess, but I got to know Frank pretty good, and um, but the band, Hans and I, our relationship dissolved terribly, and I was not a fan of the management. So, long story short, I'm out of the band last July, and I go home, and I start thinking, what am I going to do? Frank calls me up and says, hey, the wife's working in south of Italy. Can I come down and hang out while she's working? I want to keep things cool. I said, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. So we, we worked it all out, and then he whipped out some songs that he had written for a group that he was with called Perpendicular. Mm -hmm. Some music. That was a deep purple kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, one song, the first song on the album that we wrote, uh, turned into Truth is a Lie. And we wrote it in about 10 minutes. songs and said I need lyrics and melodies and I gotta say it just it just jumped out at me and I created to it there's there's three tracks on the on the record that I co-wrote the lyrics with John Wilde I've been writing with John for years but I, I pretty much wrote everything else on it and it just lyrically and it, it was so easy because Frank had laid the foundation yeah and uh, we have a, a really good friendship we're family guys we're fathers uh we're both married, and we've been everywhere together, so we had a pretty good start. Nice, nice, yeah. Hey. And, and uh, you know, as I said, it's, it just has this really classic sound. And, and you know, I know with, with the release, you know, they talk about Truth is a Lie as being the first one. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start with that one and, and kind of get the genesis in my head and, um, you know, listening cool. to that and then hearing you say about how quickly that came together because 
you know, if you listen to it at first, you're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of, it's you know, got the laid back parts, the heavy parts, but there's a lot going on in that song when you really start to listen to it. Yeah, it's it, it, lyrically to me, because, you know, the disaster with Bonfire and, you know, being in this business, I mean, people for the last 30 or so years I've done, you know, their truths are lies. Mm. And, and it's a really tough business. So that title just stuck in my head yeah. and it fit. So that song's fairly personal to me. So, yeah, yeah. go ahead, let it roll. Yeah, that's definitely one of those. One thing I like when I listen to albums is, you know, at first I just kind of listen to the album, just on the whole. And then I go back and then it's either I tie into vocals or I start to tie into guitar riffs. And, and this time, you know, the second listen through, I started tying into like listening to all the vocals and and the words you were putting together and stuff and and definitely you've got a lot of messages in these songs and and you know <laughs> you can <laughs> tell you there's a lot medicine. of experiences and stuff that you 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 want to get out and you want to get out in music and stuff and uh, and I, I really like a lot of the lyrics that, that happen on this one. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So you know and and the other thing too and and I I said this to a few people lately which is I'm starting to feel better about it is the fact that you know for a long time people are putting albums together and in a lot of like a lot of the chart albums is kind of like they just kind of throw crap on there and go there's the album but it it's yeah. it's kind of nice in our neck of the woods it it seems that we've gone back to this thing of like sequencing the album as if it was on vinyl and and the fact that open it up with night of the long knives i mean that song just sucks you right in it's like as soon as you hear that <laughs> you're like i'm done i want to hear the rest of it and just the way you guys track this whole thing, kind of an ebb and flow, and and not too much of any one thing at one time. It, you can tell you guys really must have paid a lot of attention. Of here's our collection of songs. How do we want to present them? And it must have been some actually great we had a lot of help with Did the layout, with the, the running order. I mean, um, Marcus Bausigan, uh, Bausigan from uh, Nuclear Blast is doing a lot of our promotion in Europe, and I had a different running order. And he said, "Listen to me, Night of the Long Knives." is a ripper. Mm. You're an idiot if you don't put that as the opening track. We're like, huh? <laughs> and you know what? I heard, just like what you've said, I've heard 50 times this month in interviews. It just grabbed you. It and does. he was right. He called it. Yeah. Yep. Good man there with Marcus. That's because that's... that's... <laughs> yeah, he got it down. He figured that one out. <laughs> I guess I guess they know a few things over there, right? Yeah, I don't know anything. Trust me. See, don't, don't leave it up to the band to do a running order because everybody's got their personal baby, right? That's the thing. I know every time that my bands would put out CDs, we would all just argue like total assholes about always wanting to get like our song as the first song. You yep, always need yep. that. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, you always need the producer to step in or something and go, no, stop. You guys are idiots. <laughs> God, I've been there before. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I also was pretty cool that, that uh, seeing one of the quotes that you guys had on the press release was from uh, from Chris Sangarides. I mean, that guy's a great guy. I've had an opportunity to chat with him a couple times and, and just a great laid back dude. But to hear him talk to you and, and kind of give give you guys the thing of being the, the best of Leonard Skinner meets Whitesnake is like, wow, yeah. like Chris are you Chris kidding? That, was, it, that blew my mind. Like, what? <laughs> and he produced Priest and all those other great albums. I'm like, Skinner. And then I went back and listened. I go, yeah, he's right. Yep. I guess that comes from me because, you know, where I grew up. Exactly. But I, I, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, man, Chris, you called it. That's just like, it's. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I might have figured it out eventually, but it was like, he just he just dialed it in for me. And, and it is. And it's just a nice. Don't leave it up to the players. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just that you know it's that nice combination. I I think it's uh I think you guys just but it sounds like it just 
you know, not even you, you know, even you not picking it up at first tells me that's uh, just happened. It's just a natural thing. It wasn't like you guys formulated that's this. What I said about Frank. I mean, he said, you know, he he sat here and looked at me with sadness and said, you know, you're the, one of my top singers of all time. Since and he's he's younger than me. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, everybody is. I think, <laughs> but <laughs> and he said, your voice is perfect for these songs. And I'm out of perpendicular. I don't want them to go to waste. Says, all right, let me hear it. I thought, you know, here we go. But my ear just stuck to that first track. And then when he started playing the rest, I mean, the guy is full of surprises. I mean, I think we wrote um, We're All Sainted Sinners. And uh, I don't know, we wrote that at his house while we were doing the album. I said, we need to get a song that's got something to say with the band name. And he goes, okay. And I said, We're All Sainted Sinners. And he starts playing this riff. And then we wrote that, that song in like 10 minutes. I think there's like three on the album we did that with. But like you said, it just. When you got a guy like that who admires the singer and knows how where the singer's range is, it helped that we toured for so long. Yeah, he knew my limits and my you know my good points where I was comfortable. So he he heard it you know, and I didn't until I'd listened to what he'd written. So I, I tip my hat to the boy. He's he's special. I mean, he's a up and coming guy. I'll probably lose him to Whitesnake or something in the next. <laughs> <year>. <laughs> Nah, else David's playing, never going to leave Tahoe not, again. He's 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 there forever. He's not torn. No, he's done. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably way back and doing smoky blues albums from now on, which I would like to hear. But sure, sure. But yeah, and you yeah. know, you talk about that. We're all sainted sinners too. That's that's a great one. I love you guys put the video out for that, and a lot of again, a lot of stuff going on with that one. You got the little slider riffs coming in and stuff, and uh, yeah, I mean that was a great one. I actually, I you know, I I ping that one off to my girlfriend because she's she's always keying in on singers first. Like I. I tend to key on guitar first, and she she keys, Are you keys a in. On, I'm a guitar player. I'm a, I'm a front man too, but guitar player, you know. Well, right. But uh, there you go. Re- reformed bass player, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the bass players yeah. the bass players don't get the girls, so I had to do something different. But uh, <laughs> oh, don't I, fool yourself. <laughs> I've seen some crazy stuff with bass players. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I said, yeah, you know, check this one out. And she, she pinged right back. She's like, oh my God, that, you know, that, that's awesome. And it isn't even really like in her wheel, wheelhouse. She kind of likes a little bit of different sound, but she was just right on that. So I'm like, and, and knowing that there were so many other songs that were on the album that would be in her wheelhouse that she got into that one. I'm like, yeah, all right. So this is kind of the discount double check. Like, all right, I know I like it. Let me let me go see if there's someone who's younger than me that likes it. And uh, and she dialed right. right in on it as well. So I'm like, all right, this is going in the right direction. So, of course, one yeah, thing people are probably going to want to know, because I listen to these songs and I go, these are songs that I could just kill live. And have you guys discussed obvious touring type of uh, things happening? We just played our first show last Sunday uh, at the Riffelhof in South Germany. And we had a special guest by the name of Graham Bonnet come and get on stage. He did six songs with us, um, gave me a little break, and it was our first actual performance. We rehearsed, you know, pretty extensively uh, at home and together before it, and we had a great crowd. I mean, just, you know, a lot of it was the the folded arm, you know, (laughs) all right, we know who you are, what can you do? Uh, I'm guilty of that one. But after about three songs, we had them. You know, that look when they're staring at you, and they're singing along. I mean, we posted tonight on Facebook, actually, uh, we do a cover of Seagull from Bad Company. We just sit down and play guitars and do acoustic Mm -hmm. stuff, and... The crowd singing along and clapping, and it was just great. It was over. You know how those blinders are when you play a good one. You it, it ends. You 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 got the stage jitters, and then 
you go out there and then you turn your head around and it's over. It was one of those gigs. So wow. at the end of February, we do the release date is the 24th, as you mentioned, of February. Yep. And uh, we do a release party that day. And then the next morning we play an in-store at a big record store in Germany. And then that night, the 25th, we play another club. And then Sunday we're in uh, the Rockfabrik. Uh, it's a famous place in uh, Ludwigsberg. Hmm. And then in March, we do Austria and Bulgaria and Switzerland. And then in June, hopefully, I see that you're from the Boston area. I, I hear it in your voice. Yes, okay, I Okay, so, you know Pete Fry from Far Cry? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, his band and I are talking about doing Saint and Sinners with Far Cry touring with us and doing an East Coast run in middle of June up to Canada. Nice. If that happens... And the snow melts where you are. We can walk. You know. <laughs> I know. Not another three uh, we'll inches today. The so. yeah, yeah, you guys are getting hammered. I've been watching it over here on, on the cable. But yeah. that's the plan. And then we have festivals planned throughout the summer. Uh, of course, you know, Frank's still in Bonfire. So there's kind of a back and forth. You know, when are you free? Uh, but touring right now, even for really well-branded names, is really tough. If you played last year a lot, typically you don't play the next year very much. So, yeah, you know, because if, if you see a band last year, uh, the economy and everything is over here, at least it's, you know, 30, 40 euros a ticket. And then you got a 150 babysitter fee and trains and people yep. can't afford to see it every, every month. Yep. Yeah. That's so, uh, you know, we're all in different bands. I'm not, I'm, I'm just doing this cause I'm not going to be in any more bands. I'm done. I'll do a few solo albums probably before I croak, but <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to spend my life with Saint and Sinners as long as it, as it, it's got legs, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, I can't imagine that it that it won't because you know if these are coming as easy as you're saying working with Frank, then uh, I'm sure you got a lot more songs like this in you. We got we've got six recorded right now oh, for the next sweet. album, and, and I've written two the last couple of days and sent them to him, and and I don't know how he finds the time with teaching and playing and being a husband and a father. He's always firing it back at me. So the magic's there. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you guys are doing this and you and Frank are writing these songs, getting them together, when you're presenting to the band, are, do the rest of the guys basically just kind of add their parts on? Or do you have kind of suggestions about where you'd like them to go with it? Or you just let them, let them go, go with what they want. Well, Frank had played with the drummer and the bass player in perpendicular. So they have a natural lock. Yep. Um, with Ferdy, he plays with Axel Rudy Pell, yeah. the keyboard player. Yeah. He plays slide guitar on the album as well that you mentioned. Um, I don't really think that any of us said, hey, play this. We just gave them the tracks, and what they sent back was like, okay, next. And for me, usually as a singer, oh, Dave, that's really good, but could you try this? Not once did they. anybody in the band say, do this. They said, great, next one. Hmm. So, I mean, for me, I was, the grooves were there, and, and, and Mercy, the drummer, he, he produced it. Um, I did the vocals, five of them in Germany in the beginning, and then the rest I did in Italy at Tanzan Studios. Mm. Um, so, no, it just, I don't know, it just seems to, to groove, and, and, and I'm not going to try to rock the boat. It's working right now, so I'm not going to try to fix anything. There you go. I need to get touring. We need to tour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll get better as a band sure and writing but yeah and, and some of these yeah. ones too they definitely have a thing where i could see that 
you know, on stage live, you got spots where you can jam back and forth with, yep. with, you know, Organic. And, yeah, exactly. Definitely. I can just hear that kind of thing going with Frank and Ferdy and, and just, yep. yeah, just that's, that's the kind do. of stuff I love and the stuff bands don't do anymore. And, and this, this yep. just kind of feeds that, which is awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything. Paint my numbers. AOR, uh, you know, push play, kind of, you know, pace yeah. the course stuff. I'm not doing it anymore. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I want to be a real rock and roll band and a real rock singer, and I want to get better every album I do and, and every song I write as best that I can. And if we, if we off on a tangent on stage, great. That's it. I mean, we can do it. Yep. That's that's what I love about going to live music. You don't go to hear like the album repeated. You want to hear a, a once in a lifetime that moment in time type of thing. That's what I I love going to we live don't gigs. Use backing that. tracks. There you go. We don't. Do, we said no backing vocals. I mean, Frank's wife Lydia is saying backgrounds on the record, mm-hmm. and she's also a background singer on stage with us. So we have that female voice uh, along with mine, and Ferdy sings as well, and Frank. So. Everything is live. Hmm. We're, I, I'm not waiting for that count off in my earphone before the song <laughs> kicks in because you know how it is with an audience. You you know if the audience is going for it, yeah. you, you can't wait for that track to. And then if the computer fails, what are you going to do? <laughs> you want to feed off that audience as much as possible. Yeah, you got to eat it. You got to eat the meat, man. I mean, it's there. Nice. <laughs> audience these days is all on the internet so uh do you have uh places where people can go to find out more about standard sinners online yeah you, you can go actually our first video that you mentioned uh, we're all standard sinners is on youtube right now uh, el puerto records our label i can't say enough great about them they've been give us a multi-album deal number one that was a condition before i even said yes um you can go to el puerto records you can go to david reese official you can go to standard sinners you can do we're, we're covered um, pretty well. Uh, we I'm on the internet 
you know, whoring myself all day long because that's what it's about. I'm, I'm trying to reach out to as many thousands of people as I can. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, we're available and, um, you know, you can find us. Nice. Nice. So, you know, the fact that you're, you're so tied in and, and always, it's always singers. I think that always have the hardest time with this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, right now, looking at the album, what's your favorite track? I got it. I, 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 right now, my wife is going for blue lightning man, Mm. which is a great song, but I have fallen in love with did you, Mm. And the reason I fallen in love with Did You is, is, you know, I'm a 70s guy. And what Frank created musically in the break is kind of, I don't know if it's Come Taste the Band or Burn era, where they just go, back in the 70s, you know, there wasn't like this two-minute solo part. It it grew and built back into a verse or a pre-chorus with a solo over it. And, and that something about that song just kills me. And, I, and when I was in Bangalore choir, we did some shows with, with uh, Ray Gillen and Badlands and, and Badlands kind of did that. Yeah. They had that, they were a real band and, and uh, he was a hero of mine as a singer anyways, but the, I don't know. It's just, it's got that, that special moments. And the, and the message is, you know, did you, you're about to die. You better ask yourself: Did I do this right? Did I do that right? So, I mean, personally, it's it's, it's something for me. And then, but musically, I, I Frank nailed it. Mm, nice, nice. That's that's actually a good choice right there. Yeah, and you're right. It does have that that really kind of old school vibe. It's uh, that, it's got a Rory Gallagher, Tommy Bowen style kind of guitar break. Oh, it does. I mean, it's, yeah. You know, let me tell you something about Frank. You know, most German guitar players, excluding uh, Michael Schenker, who's you know a genius, but. You know, you know a good German or a European guitar player. They don't really, they don't come from the blues. Yep. You know, they play the. They're very good with the double picking and the downbeat with the the metal and stuff. But rarely do you find, especially in Europe, somebody who can play the blues. Sure. Basically. Yeah. So I walked in his house the first time. On the wall is a poster of Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, and um, Rory Gallagher, mm. and photos of all their best guitars. I said, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I look on the wall and all the CDs are those guys. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, yeah, man, that's where I come from. I mean, of course, he listens to Megadeth and he listens to Accept and you know bands like that. But he, I mean, as a European guy, he's he's got a hold of that. Like yeah. you and me, it comes in our blood because that's where we come from. But he's got it too. That's very cool. And uh I know I, I was lucky enough at one point to actually see Rory Gallagher live, and uh, yeah, it's just one of those nice. concerts you just you just never forget. And what was amazing is is he was actually opening up for Rush, and like nobody what? was the yeah, and nobody there like had basically had a clue who Rory Gallagher was. And I'm like, oh my god, it's Rory Gallagher, and everyone I'm with is like, <laughs> like what is with you? I'm like, you have no idea. Like the fact that we're actually seeing freaking Rory Gallagher in Massachusetts is in like a flannel shirt, right? With his sideburns and his old beat up strap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh my God. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah. <laughs> One of those shows you'll just, you spend a lifetime. You'll never forget that show at all. Definitely. And don't you, don't you love it? And there are gigs. When I first saw UFO the first time I was 17, I think, mm. and I'm 56 years old. Yeah. And I saw Michael Shanker with the white bee and the blonde hair and the black, knee-high boots and the spacesuit on, you know, basically into that white par lamp. And I go, uh-oh, I just fell in love with a band. And I bought every album they ever made up to that point. And I think that was the Strangers of the Night tour. Mm. But 
I absorbed everything about UFO that I could. It just one of those bands and those, that moment. And Rick Derringer opened. So, I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, wow. it was a monster show. Yeah, that's that's a killer bill right there. Definitely. That's right. Awesome, David. Well, uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing that tour come up the East Coast. And uh, if uh, if it does, hopefully uh, get to uh, get to meet you, shake your hand, and uh, maybe have a beer. Shake a hand, let's rock. I drink a beer. Hey, and, and talk. Stay in touch with Dustin. I'm sure you're dealing with him, right? Oh yeah, Dustin's the man. Right on. I'm working on it. I, I, I'm. I, they gave me a 97, percent bro. Awesome. So, sounds good. Sounds good. I'm all right, looking brother, forward to it. Thank you for your uh, interest, and I appreciate all your support. And I'll do whatever I can for you. Just let me know. All right, David. Have a good one. Okay, brother. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. All right, Metalheads. That is a wrap for this week on Focus on Metal. Big thanks to both Jack Russell and David Reese for coming on the show, telling us about both of their latest releases. And, of course, if you're digging the uh, samples we played for you, then go out and support those artists by uh, buying some more of their great music. So uh, three things really quick before we get out of here. And first thing is just to remind you about Earpeeler. Earpeeler uh, doing their Patreon program. So patreon.com slash Earpeeler. And uh, second and third thing are related. Talking about Night Demon. Yeah, our buds in Night Demon have uh, they got a tour. It started off on March 2nd. And if you're listening to this on Wednesday the 8th when we release it, then uh, they are playing tomorrow night at the Riff House Pub in Chesapeake, Virginia. So these guys, they are out on tour with Anvil. And this tour will be running all through the U.S. until uh, till April 9th at uh, the Grog Shop in Cleveland. So uh, you probably want to go and uh, check out all the tour dates for Night Demon and Anvil. And uh, also on a related note, Night Demon has a new release coming out on Century Media. It is due to drop on April 21st. It's called Darkness Remains. And uh, you can uh, go and get uh, a pre-order for that up at uh, IndieMerch.com. And uh, if you are in the L.A. area on uh, April 17th, there will be a record release party. The venue is yet to be announced, but uh, good stuff there. And also should mention that uh, during their tour, they do have a couple of dates that aren't within. Well, their headline shows. That is uh, March 14th. They're doing that at Churchill's Pub in Miami, Florida. And on the 15th, they're doing it at Kelly's Live in Sarasota, Florida. And way on uh, April 3rd, they're doing one at the Mad Frog in Cincinnati. So a couple of good shows if you want to just go and see the mighty Night Demon by themselves. But, of course, Night Demon and Anvil, great double bill. So, again, support those artists on tour. And if you want to get all of those tour dates, you can, of course, go to focusonmetal.blogspot.com. We'll post them up there as well as uh, potentially a link to go and pre-order the album. So there you go. Three things before we get the heck out of here. So uh, that's it. Not sure what's up for next week. I know Richie was out and about doing some interviews, got some other stuff we've done as well. But in the meantime, between now and next week, you can always follow us on Twitter and Facebook and always on FocusOnMetal.net where you can find all of our prior episodes as well. So uh, like I said, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This one is done. So for Richie myself and everybody else here at focus on metal have yourselves a great metal week and until we talk to you again next week remember focus on metal everything else is insignificant
You're still here? It's over. Go home.